Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Not Another Military History Podcast. My name is Jacob. This is a podcast where we discuss the weirdest and craziest episodes of military history. So this is going to be the first episode in a five-episode series titled Five Wars You Never Heard Of, in which we discuss five really weird and obscure wars that not, not many people know about. So the plan initially is to release these five episodes in five days, so one episode per day. And then from then on, we're going to go ahead and go to a weekly episode just going to give you guys a taste of what the podcast is going to be like. So this very first war is going to be, it's called the Cod Wars. Uh, they occurred between Britain and Iceland from about 1952 until 1976 over the territorial waters off the coast of Iceland and fishing rights off the coast of the island as well. So to kind of give you guys a bit of a background, Iceland was settled by uh, Danish Vikings during the medieval period and it became a Danish colony throughout much of the you know, kind of the ensuing, you know, period. And then uh, during World War II, Iceland was a very crucial allied base uh, for, you know, naval engagements and anti-submarine actions. And then uh, there had been periodic conflicts between the British and the Icelanders over the issue of fishing rights uh, from the 14th century onwards. Um, Although, uh, you know, the Iceland actually made up a pretty significant amount of the British fishing stocks for this region, uh, for this reason. And uh, the British at this point had a policy, which is deemed the open seas policy, which is basically the idea that they could, you know, go ahead and fish wherever they wanted off the coast of any nation. And of course, Britain at this time had the most powerful navy in the world. So they were largely able to uh, back up this policy with force if they wanted to. And they did. So uh, let's go ahead and fast forward to after World War II. Uh, in 1952, Iceland expanded its territorial waters from three to four miles. And this is based on a decision made by the International Court of Justice. Now, previously, the UN Conference of the Seas, uh, sorry, the UN Inter- International Conference of the Seas, went ahead and uh, debated over this issue of uh, how far they should expand the territorial waters. And in case you weren't familiar, the idea of territorial waters is the concept that you basically have a nation has a limit uh, from, like, you know, going out from its coastline into the water. Uh, and within this limit, that other nations are not allowed to just do whatever they want. They have to gain express permission to travel within this, you know, mile radius uh, if they want to go fishing or if they want to do fishing or anything else like that. So previously, it had been three miles, and then there was a debate amongst the uh, UN to decide if they were going to expand to four miles. But then the UN decided to do what the UN does best, and they debated a lot, and then they did not come to a decision. So Iceland went ahead and unilaterally decided to expand their waters from three to four miles. And then the UK was obviously not very happy about this. So they responded by banning Icelandic ships from their ports. Now, this is also going to be where you're going to see Cold War politics first play a role. Because the um, this is... It's a massive, this decision by the UK had a massive impact on the Icelandic fishing industry. Uh, in response, actually, the Soviets wanted to kind of exert some influence over Iceland. So they decided that they were going to go ahead and buy up the Icelandic fishing stock so they weren't as negatively impacted by the British ban. So um, in response, though, this made the US really nervous, this potential Soviet influence over Iceland. So they then decided that they were going to buy up the fishing stocks as well. And they also encouraged France and Spain to and other European countries to buy the stocks in addition. So this severely weakened the British position. And then the kind of first kind of little war uh, ended up with the Icelandic victory. And then as the, you know, their position was completely, as the British position was completely weakened and the uh, Icelanders ended up winning when other nations recognized the four mile limit. Excuse me, I drink some water there. So, 
Now, you'll notice with this first little engagement that it was mostly all diplomacy. There wasn't really much military action. That's definitely going to change. So now we're going to go ahead and fast forward to 1958 with the outbreak of the first Cod War. So in 1958, Iceland unilaterally expanded its territorial waters from 4 to 12 miles, also banned international ships from said waters. Now, in response, the Royal Navy ended up escorting British fishing vessels into Icelandic waters, and the Icelandic Coast Guard responded in kind by cutting the nets of the fishing vessels and ramming the fishing boats. So just out of the bat, just like no chill absolutely from Iceland. <laughs> just like completely ramming these like helpless fishing boats. I just, I love it. So... Now, in 1958, uh, the Icelandic gunboat Thor fired warning shots on the British trawler Hackness. Royal Navy's HMS Russell intervened, and the two vessels rammed each other, and standoff ensued, until Thor backed down uh, due to the arrival of more British Navy ships. So this is kind of the very first little engagement of the Cod Wars. And now, these are kind of considered more so quasi-wars than real wars, because you can see the two nations, they aren't really actively trying to kill each other. I mean, they are firing shots at each other. But, you know, this is, it's, but they're not really, like, like, if they really wanted to kill each other, the British probably could have, you know, with the Royal Navy ships versus the Coast Guard ships, they probably could have wiped them out if they really wanted to. But, uh, they're, by the same time, though, they're still doing things that could definitely kill people, and that we'll, 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 we'll see later that actually will kill a few people. Uh, so it's kind of considered a bit of a quasi-war in that respect, uh. So the Icelandic's response was, uh, so the Icelandic people protested the British actions, and they also taunted the British ambassador when he arrived in the country. I, just, I love the pettiness, just like this ambassador has absolutely nothing to do with the war. I mean, but like, it has nothing to do with the British Navy actions, but they're just going to say, fuck you anyways. Like, love it. So then uh, the British also deployed 53 ships to Icelandic waters, and now the Icelanders had several patrol boats and a PBY patrol plane to oppose them, so... Definitely was a bit of a power imbalance here, just a little bit. Uh, now, during this operation, the British expended about half a million pounds in oil uh, throughout the course of the operation. So they're spending quite a bit of money. And then uh, in 1961, Iceland threatened to leave NATO over the issue, which was a very big deal because this would threaten NATO's access to the GIUK gap, which was a critical anti-submarine choke point during the Cold War. So the the NATO allies went ahead and used Iceland to monitor submarine, you know, uh, or, or Soviet submarine, you know, operations. So it was a very big deal, and they were very scared about Iceland possibly leaving NATO. So in response, the UK ended up uh, backing down. They recognized the twelve mile limits, uh, effectively conceding to all of Iceland's demands. Now, in theory, all further conflicts between the two nations would be sent directly to the International Court of Justice, so which was supposed to be a neutral operator uh, between the two nations. Now, I say in theory because, well, well, you're, you'll see coming up soon. So, fast forward to 1972, we have the Second Cod War. Now, this occurred when Iceland unilaterally extended its territorial waters uh, from 12 miles to 50 miles off of its coasts. So, previously, you know, we, we went from 3 miles to 4 miles, and then went from 4 miles to 12 miles, and now we're going from 12 miles all the way to 50 miles. So, this actually was not taken very well by most of Western Europe. Uh, on the Warsaw Pact, and the Warsaw Pact, who actually opposed this extension. Uh, however, Iceland was very, you can kind of see how skillful Iceland is in their diplomacy throughout most of these conflicts, because they're able to uh, frame it as a, you know, just kind of a blow against colonialism and imperialism. This is during, of course, the decolonization period in Africa, when Britain and a lot of other countries were losing its colonies. So Iceland is kind of framing as kind of just a, 
a David versus Goliath scenario where they're, you know, the small little country taking on the big bad England country. So a lot of African states supported this as a result. Uh, they were going through decolonization and, and their own independence movements. Now, at this time as well, the, the government of Iceland was controlled by a leftist coalition and previously all the agreements that uh, Iceland had made during the previous cod wars with Britain had all been under a more of a center-right government. So the leftist government then basically ignored the previous stipulation that conflicts with Britain were sent to the International Court of Justice, arguing that it wasn't bounded by the treaty of the previous government. So just saying, you know what, that wasn't us. You know, we didn't make that decision. Fuck you guys, pretty much. So, like I said, in in theory. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is this is pretty funny. So when I was doing research for this podcast, I was uh, translating some of the names of the Icelandic ships. And then uh, one of the ships was translated to the name Eggs, which I think is just hilarious. I have no idea if that's right or not, but I'm going to continue for the rest of this episode to call that ship the Eggs, uh, just because I think it's funny. So, all right. Now, the Icelandic Coast Guard ships, the Eggs, chased 16 fishing trawlers out of the 50-mile zone on the very first day of the Second Cod Wars. Now, um, the Icelandic Coast Guard also started using troll wire cutters to cut the nets of the fish trawlers, making the fishing boats effectively useless. So basically what these troll wire cutters would do would that they would go ahead and drag them from behind the Coast Guard ships with these big blades. And then, um, you know, these troll wire cutters would cut the nets of the fishing boats. And then since their nets were gone, the fishing boats essentially had no function. And then so they went ahead and left. So... One day, the Icelandic Coast Guard vessel, the Eggs, came upon an unmarked fishing trawler and demanded to identify itself. Now, the fishing boat refused and only played Robotania over the radio in response, which is some pretty, some pretty chat energy. I appreciate it. Now, the Eggs responded by cutting the boat's net while the net crew of the boat threw a nail and a rope in the water, attempting to entangle the Egg's propeller. Now, um, the angry crew of the unidentified fishing boats also threw human waste, coal, and a fucking fire axe at the eggs, which I also really appreciate. Just like, you know that guy, like, he's probably not going to hit anybody with it, but just the sheer fucking spite of just throwing a goddamn fire axe at another ship is just amazing. Now, eventually the unnamed fishing vessel was identified as a Peter Scott because the crew was swearing over the radio at the eggs. So... <laughs> I, I fucking I, I love these fucking fishing crews now one thing I, I just forgot to mention as well is I just I think it's hilarious because you gotta consider like this is right you know these wars began not long after World War II like like a, less than a decade before the end of after the end of World War II so you gotta figure these like uh, these you know these Royal Navy you know crews and everything and even some of these fishing crew were probably veterans of World War II and, you know in the Royal Navy and so they had like hunted down the German wolf packs and they probably fought against the fucking Bismarck, and then they're being bullied by these fucking Icelandic like Coast Guard ships. <laughs> just like you got to think about these guys just being like, "Oh man, I fucking like I fought against the Bismarck. I helped sink these like German submarines, and now I'm just chasing after these fucking Coast Guard ships. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> I love it." So, fast forwarding to uh, 25th of November in 1872. The first casualty of the Cod Wars occurred when a German fisherman suffered a head injury when he was hit by a Icelandic uh, trawl wire cutter. So he ended up being all right. He went to the hospital and he recovered, but that's the first person wounded from the Cod Wars. So, and then uh, fast forward again to January 18th, 1973. 
Uh, in one day, 18 fishing trawlers and were cut, leading the British fishermen to retreat from the zone uh, unless they were escorted by Royal Navy vessels. They completely said, we're not going back in unless British Navy vessels are going to basically escort us in. And then uh, again, a few days later, on January 23rd, 1973, uh, operations by the Atlantic Coast Guard uh, chased after the fishing boats were temporarily suspended when the volcano Eld fell on the island of Jaime and... I apologize if I'm going to mispronounce these Icelandic names. I'm American. I speak English. That's about the best I can do. So I uh, apologize to any Scandinavian or Icelandic uh, listeners. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, the volcano on the island of Jaime erupted, forcing the Coast Guard to divert its attention to rescuing the inhabitants of the island. So, unfortunately, they had to give up bullying the British... Um, fishing boats to you know save a bunch of people from a volcano so we all make sacrifices now on may 17th 1973 the british trawlers returned to icelandic waters under royal navy escort this was known as operation dewey in response iceland considering appealing to the u.n security council of nato to implement article 5 against england <laughs> if you don't know article 5 is basically in in is Within NATO, so if, if a NATO member state is attacked by another country, they consider it as an attack against all other NATO countries. And so they would invoke Article 5. You hear this a lot uh, with the war in Ukraine right now, whether or not you know, NATO, if, they, if so-and-so gets attacked, if they're going to implement Article 5. So this is a big, big fucking deal. So Iceland is completely willing to just completely invoke, like, you know, start World War Three, like a fucking civil war within NATO over the fishing rights. Just, I, I love the fucking just, like, Chad, like, chaotic neutral energy that Iceland is, you know, portraying throughout this whole conflict. So, and not only that, too, that, that wasn't enough for Iceland. Uh, so, Iceland, the Icelandic pri- Prime Minister, uh, Olafur Johansson, demanded that the U.S. send jets to bomb the British ships as well. <laughs> Just it's it's amazing. Just completely willing to, you know, invoke World War Three over the fish. I, I I love the energy. Honestly, it's amazing. So, um, and not only this, but there was also major protests in Reykjavik against the British, and then all the windows of the British embassy were shattered. So, Icelandic people not very happy about this. Uh, fast forwarding uh, again on to May twenty sixth, nineteen seventy three, the eggs ordered the, the British fishing troller Grimsby to stop. When the Grimsby refused to do so, the eggs pursued her and fired first blank shots and then several live rounds into the fishing vessel. Uh, the, Grimsby, the Grimsby was hit by four 57mm shells and began taking on water. It was only saved and it managed to limp out of the protection zone and was assisted by the Royal Navy frigate HMS Jupiter. Uh, now, uh, the Icelandic response was to, uh, so Alfaro Johansson referred to the incident as a, quote, natural and inevitable law enforcement action. So just completely not apologizing at all. Just like, yeah, you know what? This happens, you know, like talk shit, get hit. <laughs> Love it. Now, on June 1st, the lighthouse tender Arvac ramped four British vessels. And six days later, the eggs, once more, eggs is fucking just like in all of the fucking fights here. I love it. Uh, the eggs rammed British warship HMS Skya. The Icelandic Coast Guard claimed the Skya had been shadowing and harassing the eggs for some time before the action while the British claimed their aiming was completely unprovoked. Um, now, so kind of some he, he said, she said action here. Uh, on August 29th, Iceland suffered its only casualty in the war when Icelandic engineer Haldar Hafrizen, I believe, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, was killed when the eggs collided with the HMS Apollo. 
he was killed via electrocution when water basically seeped into the compartment as he was doing electrical work. So that was the only person killed during the entirety of the Cod Wars. On September 16th, Icelandic ministers met with the Secretary General of NATO, Joseph Lunds, discussed terms for an agreement. The Icelandic ministers were under pressure to withdraw from NATO because NATO had been of absolutely no help during the conflict. This would have deprived NATO forces of a crucial submarine base to the Cold War, as we previously mentioned. Now, uh, fast forward to October 3rd, the Second Cod War came to an official end when uh, Britain backed down and he ordered its warships to exit the 50-mile protection zone. Uh, the warships played Rule Britannia and the party's over as they, ex- as they uh, exited the zone. Uh, the British and the Icelanders came to agreement that limited British fishing activities from within the zone and the British trawls would limit their catch to 130,000 tons per year. Now, nine months after the treaty was signed, on July 19, 1974, Thor captured the British uh, trawler C.S. Forrester, which was one of the largest fishing vessels in the British Merchant Marine, after pursuing it for 100 nautical miles and then also shelling it. <laughs> I love it. They then hauled the capture ship into port and later ransomed it for 26,300 pounds. So, like, even after the war, the Icelanders have absolutely no chill on this. They're just completely willing to just attack this random fishing vessel and then, like, ransom it later on for 2,300 pounds or 26,300 pounds. Like, it's, it's amazing. So, you might think this is the last Cod War, and it is not. So, then we have the third Cod War. So, at the third U.S. Conference on the Law of the Sea in 1973, uh, several nations advocated for a territorial water limit of 100 miles. Now, this would not be good enough for Iceland, for on the 15th of July 1975, almost a year since the Forrester incident, Iceland announced yet another expansion to its nautical mile limit. This time, it was 200 nautical miles. So, like, nope, not good enough for us. We need 200 miles. Now, this, of course, launched the Third Cod War. Uh, fast forward to December 11th, 1975. Three British tugboats were sheltering from storm within the 12-mile nautical limit of Iceland. Uh, the, the Thor approached them and ordered them to leave. Of course, this being the Icelandic Coast Guard vessel. Uh, now, at first, the British ships complied, but then, according to the Icelandic accounts, the British tugboat's Star Aquarius, which honestly sounds like the name of a stripper name rather than the actual name of a ship, and Lloydsman uh, ran the Thor intentionally three times when the Thor tried to keep her from being close to Iceland. Uh, in response, the Thor fired a live round of the Star Aquarius, hitting in the bow. The Thor took on a ton of water, then and nearly sank. Just imagine limp back to the town of. I'm going to completely butcher this name. Uh, Ludmund dar Fjord Dur <laughs> for repairs. The British maintained that Lloydsman accidentally ran the Thor because it was trying to protect the Star Aquarius from being boarded by the Thor. And then the Icelanders actually maintained that the Thor fired on the Star Aquarius in self defense. So again, we have some he said, she said action on this. Now, the Royal Navy's response to dispatch a large force of frigates to uh, Icelandic waters before informing the British Foreign Secretary, Harry Wilson. So they did this actually without the British Foreign Secretary, which is also pretty funny, because uh, the British viewed it as a chance to show off some of their skills against Soviet submarines the Cold War ever become hot. Now, on the 19th of February, 1976, the British had their own casualty at the Cod Wars when a hawser hit a fisherman from Grimsby, after uh, from the Grimsby, after an Atlantic Coast Guard ship cut a fishing line. Now, the very same day, Iceland cut off diplomatic relations with the UK. So this is a very big deal. Typically, only countries that are going to war will cut off diplomatic relations with each other. So although we kind of view it as being, you know, like funny, you know, like, aha, these like, you know, Coast Guard ships are facing off against the British Navy and like ramming them and everything. Like, it was like, 
evidently the very two nations took it very, very seriously. So now, uh, shortly thereafter, the British deployed 22 frigates to Iceland and then several were seriously damaged. So I'm, I'm just going to go off, off of kind of down the list and kind of just to give you an idea about how like much these like British ships are damaged. So the HMS Yarmouth had its bow torn off. The HMS Diomede had a 40 foot gash ripped through a hole. And then the HMS Eastbourne suffered such structural damage from ramming uh, by the Icelandic gunboats that had to be reduced to a moored operational training frigate. So it was no longer an actual real-like ship within the British Navy. And the Iceland deployed four uh, patrol vessels, the Odin, the Thor, the Tyre, and then the Eggs, of course, and two armed trawlers, uh, were Baldur and then the Buver. I probably butchered those, some of those names. Now, the Icelandic government tried to acquire uh, U.S. Asheville-class gunboats, uh, but was uh, sadly denied by Henry Kissinger. Now, when they were denied by the U.S., Iceland said, you know what, we'll just go from the Soviets instead. So they went ahead and bought uh, Soviet Merkel-class frigates instead. Or actually, they tried to, but they were denied. So, again, Iceland just displaying completely, like, amazing chaotic neutral energy in this. Just like, I don't care who wins the Cold War, I just want Britain to lose. Uh, then Iceland uh, then threatened to close its base at Keflavik to NATO forces, which would have been another big blow to NATO. And uh, this brings us to the last major engagement of the Cod Wars, which occurred on May 6th, 1975, when the Icelandic patrol boat Bull attempted to cut the nets of the British trawler Carlisle when HMS Falmouth rammed the Bull, almost sinking the patrol boat. And the Bull didn't sink and actually cut the nets of the Carlisle, causing the Falmouth to ram it again. Uh, the bull managed to sustain significant damage and was uh, managed to limp back home, propelled only by a single fucking screw. <laughs> so now the captain of the bull, uh, a guy named Goodmunder Kjernstead, <laughs> ordered that his crew made the guns to deter firmer, further ramming. This caused the family to back off. The bull managed to survive and the family sustained significant bow damage. So all in all, the third Cod War saw 55 ramming incidents altogether. And the war came to an end when the two sides met under NATO mediation in June of 1976. Uh, the British were, in terms of the agreement, the British were allowed to keep 24 trawlers within Iceland's 200-mile limit and could only fish a max of 30,000 tons a year. So Britain went from, at the very end of the of the Second Cod War, being able to fish 130,000 tons. Um, and then now, now at the end of the Third Cod War, they went down to fishing 30,000 tons. So massive blow to their fishing industry. So, in conclusion, uh, what can we learn from the Cod Wars? Well, Iceland achieved all of its overall goals. Uh, Britain conceded to every single territorial demand they made, and the pick of Icelandic Cod was severely reduced. Uh, previously, Britain had relied a good deal on Icelandic fishing stocks, uh, but they actually suffered an economic downturn in response to this through a lot of British fishing towns and little villages that were severely impacted by the, uh, by the cutdown due to the Cod Wars. So, Icelandic nationalism was also boosted as independence was asserted uh, during this Cod War. You can kind of see in the response that the people were, like, in all the protests that people, the Icelandic people made against the British, that this is very important to them, and that this is kind of a massive boost to their nationalist, um, you know, image. So, now, during, throughout, or throughout these wars, Iceland used a combination of grit and skillful international diplomacy to defeat the British, who basically held every single advantage in naval and economic power. Now, and kind of fast-forwarding to 2017, the crews of the two ships involved in the Cod Wars, uh, the whole trawler Arctic Corsair, 
and the Icelandic patrol ship Odin met up and exchanged bells as a gesture of goodwill and friendship between the two cities of Hull and Reykjavik. So kind of showing, you know, like a little bit of good faith between the two countries. So cod, oh, what happened to the cod? Well, the cod is actually now on the endangered species list, uh, limiting how much people could fish. So really, if there was a loser besides the British, it could also be considered the cod. So now, um, so that is the official end of the cod wars. Uh, just kind of a weird little quasi war uh, in in, uh, in military history. Now, I just, like I said, I think it's hilarious because Iceland is just exerting so much just like Chad, chaotic neutral energy. They're just willing to completely throw the rest of the world under the bus to assert their own fishing rights, which I just find hilarious. And uh, I think it's also interesting because it kind of shows shifting power dynamics as well during the Cold War. Like you can see Iceland was very able to kind of skillfully kind of play the, uh, the NATO, you know, forces and the Soviets against each other, you know, like when the, um, like, you know, when the British denied them use of the ports, you know, the Soviets came in and then like, you know, wanted to buy their fish and then that made the U.S. nervous since so they bought the fish. And so it's just, it's, it's very interesting. And then um, I think it also kind of shows the shifting power dynamic between um, like, you know, certain countries, you know, like after World War II, like, you know, Britain used to be this massive naval powerhouse and now they're losing to a country that didn't really even have a navy or an army. So you kind of see how this is evidence of, you know, Britain's kind of, you know, downshifting status as a country during the Cold War that it went from being, you know, a major power uh, before World War II to now they're kind of sort of more of a minor power in comparison to the uh, United States and uh, during the Cold War as well, the Soviet Union. So that's our first episode of the series. Um, go, I'm going to go ahead and try and start up a, a patron system as well. We're going to have some cool uh, rewards and some cool little uh, tiers and everything for our patrons. Probably also going to start up a Discord as well, uh, Twitter, Facebook, that kind of thing. And then um, you can find this episode on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well and a few other ones. So uh, until next time, guys, take care. Take it easy. Uh-huh.